you have those same highs and lows and you have to weather that storm. And I think the way you do it is with the beginning and the beginning has to be a belief in what you're doing and a commitment to what you're doing, a passion to what you're doing and a desire to do it. You're listening to In It. This is for anyone who is in the trenches, in the process and pursuit of a life fully lived. And I want you to know that I'm with you. I'm your host, Lindsay Plebiak. Let's do this. Wow. Today, you're in for a treat like you've never experienced in your entire life. Because there is not only one Pleviac on the show. There, there are two Pleviacs here today to hang out with you. And man, I'm really excited to introduce you to my dad, John Pleviac. He's had a really, really, really successful entrepreneurial career, business owner, multi-sales jobs. He has crushed his whole life with so many accomplishments. If you guys could actually sit down and see all of the things that he's done um, on paper, I think that you would be pretty blown back. And the thing that is the, uh, the, the thing I'm the most proud of him for is that he has a winningest coach record at 200 year old colleges. He coached soccer, collegiate soccer, my entire life. Uh, the teams were nationally ranked six years in a row. And he is the winningest coach to this day. Um, coach of the year, multiple times at two different schools. Uh, he has been a teacher, a coach, uh, he's owned multiple restaurants and had a very successful sales career. He is now retired, but he spends his time living his best life on the beach and playing tons of golf on the Eastern Shore. And uh, here today to talk with us about being in it, JP, the original grit. Hey, thank you for having me. This is like a hot podcast cross country. I want to be part of it, whether you're my daughter or not. I just listen to it. I love it. Uh, as an ex-coach, I get a lot of uh, motivational learning from it still. And uh, it gives me uh, some get up and go after I finish listening. So to be a guest on it and you're my daughter, I love it. When you listen to it, what, what do you what do you get up and go to? Well, I, I like um, that you kind of get in people's face a little bit. Um, <laughs> I wonder where, wonder where I learned that. Yeah, like the coach, you know, you're, you're talking to him like the coach would talk to him at halftime and trying to motivate him or... After a, a, a hard loss, you know, what do you say to them to pick them back up? After a couple wins, what do you say to bring them back down a little and keep them on even keel? So I listen to that in your messages, and uh, I, I, I hear a great coach saying, and I think back to some of my days. You know, when you were um, adding up all those things, I was listening, and I thought, ah, man, I don't know. That that's a lot of stuff, and I started thinking that means you're just real old. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like I did twenty things. That day. <laughs> how, how old are you now? That's okay. Uh, we won't we won't say it. <laughs> I'm, I'm 104, <laughs> but I don't look a day over 90. You know, the funny thing is, is when people people have said to me multiple times, like throughout my life, they'll say things like, you know, oh, I've never met someone like you, Lens. Like, you know, you're kind of. Yeah, I've just never met anybody like you before. And I said, well, clearly you've never met my dad because <laughs> uh, I think that we're, we're, we're a little similar. Yeah, I think uh, somebody beat us to the punch, but it's uh, two peas in a pod. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's <laughs> what it's all about. 
Hey, I heard that I heard before we uh, before we dive into the content today, I heard that you had, you know, a couple, maybe some stories that you want to share about me. Well, a couple I won't share about you. <laughs> we want to keep it all up and good. But yeah. Nah. But I, I, I do have one and I, and it came to mind when uh, I was listening to one of your podcasts. So Lindsay, for you out there, um, very, very aggressive, obviously on the soccer field, on the uh, basketball court. And, um, she gave, she was one of those that gave it her all. Wait a second. A lot of people don't know that I actually was like pretty incredible at basketball. Yeah. And soccer too. And, um, but basketball, soccer, eh, I think you like to believe I was, uh, Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but basketball, I was pretty good at. Okay. Keep going. So, um, I felt a little guilty because between recruiting at that high level of soccer and, and actually the coding coaching season, I wasn't home all that time. So I thought one of the things I want to do is coach the kids and, uh, uh Lindsay and her brother, Johnny. So, uh, at six years old, I say that I will coach this outdoor uh, little league kids like, um, you know, um, Mighty Ducks, I would bring. Yeah, I'd say, you know, so they came to the first practice and I'm leaving this top level college and I'm going over to the field and there's kids picking flowers and picking their nose and doing anything (laughs) but soccer. They could care less. They're like five and six years old and I have my team. So I'm trying to get them excited a little bit. And, uh, so that that's it. And I'm thinking, okay, I bought into this for the season. I got these little kids. It's going to be going to be a little bit more than I thought. And then within 24 hours, Lindsay breaks her wrist and cannot play soccer for the season. <laughs> and I have all those kids without my daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I actually fell on purpose to get out of it. Yeah. yeah that's actually what went down. I, I knew yeah. that I was going to have to be a part of this that I didn't want to be. And so yeah. I I actually injured myself to avoid it. Uh, so uh, that was the end of the coaching, my kids, um, until we get to seventh, eighth grade. And we had a, a basketball hoop in our backyard and we played a lot of horse in one-on-one. So Lindsay wants, you know, join the rec team and they're looking for coaches. So I grab one and we have a, we have a pretty good team. Um, and and we're playing and the, the, the teams were by colors of their jersey. So we were the black team and we were playing the white team and the white team had the most obnoxious coach of all time. He was awful. And and then some bending of the rules, his daughter was allowed to play for him and she was in the ninth grade and on the high school JV team. And the cutoff was eighth. Yeah. She's like, like cause some birthday technicality or something. She's lighting up these kids and dominating like LeBron. (laughs) And he, he just, you could tell he didn't have much game because he he was living and dying coaching these kids at at this level. So much so they threatened to throw him out of the gym. Remember? Yeah. And so they whipped us pretty good. And, and cause she just dominated everything. So when Linz first started playing basketball, she had trouble making foul shots in sixth, seventh grade, threw up a lot of air balls. It was bad. And, uh, but she was so determined to get better at it and keep practicing it. Tony, he taught me. Yeah. Tony, I forget his last name, but he taught me, man. Yeah, so she was determined. So then we go and we meet up the white team in the championship game and they were beating teams by like 60 some points. This guy was pressing when he was up like 35 points in the fourth quarter. And we had this new defense for him. And we almost, we lost to him by one point. And when we missed the layup at the end, we could have beat him. So so they were in the championship. And uh, they had this father-daughter shoot-off for, for each um, age group up there on a Sunday after the season. So 
so the fathers had like 45 seconds to shoot three pointers. And then the daughters had 10 foul shots and they added up the, um, the points at the end and gave you some prizes or whatever. So it turns out it's, Lindsay and I against the white coach and his daughter. And, and the thing that we don't, the thing that nobody knew was that, I mean, what were you, what was your basketball career? I mean, you like really nailed it. Yeah. I played some ball at a high level. Um, I played high school and we were top 24 in the USA today. And uh, I played college ball. We were number four in the country uh, at Catonsville and Big time. Uh, community college, we were junior college, but we were like fourth in the country. And so I had a little bit of ball in me. So I, I hit a couple threes and that hit that guy had no game. I know he didn't, okay. <laughs> but he made a couple and, you know, so we get to the foul line and the other girl goes first. And so now we're five points down and Lindsay gets 10 free throws. So she's got to make five to tie six to win, you know? So she gets up on the line, place is packed. Jim's packed. There's a lot of pressure. Lindsay Moss steps up and drains six in a row. And I was there. And we, it was awesome. And that was the end. Yeah. And then we just walked off. Yeah, yeah we might have dropped it and we were gone. And <laughs> just our, like we're going to do today. With our Pizza Hut coupon. Yeah. Last thing we did was wave goodbye to father and daughter in the white. Yeah. And from that moment on, I knew that girl had grit. I knew that girl could do it. I knew she could put her mind to anything she wanted. Oh, man. Great, great story. We, we, we've wiped the tear. We left, uh, we, we made a lot of people cry that day. <laughs> yeah. But as far as, um, the relationship that I think I, the point I was trying to make, um, not everybody has to play sports, um, to be successful in other endeavors by any means. But if you've played sports at some level, you realize that you had to make some sacrifices for the team, um, to be in shape, uh, for, for, uh, maybe sitting on the bench for a while or then going out and performing. So you have all aspects of what salesmanship was all about. Uh, you have to, you have to start by getting up every day. You have to have a plan. Uh, you have to show up to, to where you're going to follow that plan. And you have to have a stick to itness that it's not always going to be smooth. There's going to be bumps in the road. But you set that goal at the end, whether it's to win a championship or be the leading scorer or just have playing time uh, in sports, you do the same thing in sales. And at the end of the day, when you go home, there's something to measure it against. You either won the game, you, you missed the foul shot um, to lose the game, or you made the sale, or you thought you were going to make the sale and it fell through at the last minute. And so you have those same highs and lows and you have to weather that storm. And I think the way you do it is with the beginning and the beginning has to be a belief in what you're doing and a commitment to what you're doing, a passion to what you're doing and a desire to do it. If you just want to show up on the soccer team because you can date girls and tell them that that is, well, then you're not going to get much out of that except maybe dating a few girls. But if you want to be the leading scorer and be on a championship team, you're going to go extra and you're going to keep doing it. And you're going to be the one after practice that runs more, takes extra practice shots and, and just, uh, you know, has that passion for it. And it's the same in sales. So I see your business very similar to, to someone um, like myself who also is successful in sales. And, and the bottom line is, if you're going to do what you're doing here today and, and giving advice to those people out there, it's, uh, you got to start as simple as it is at the beginning with a plan and an end goal and then how to achieve it. And yeah. I think what you're doing is you're offering that advice for them to get there. 
And then if they're there, it's motivate them to go to the next level. And if they're failing to pick them up and tell them like, Hey, you can do this. You just got to change directions and things like that. But here's the thing that I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear from, from my dad. So it's so bizarre. I had this moment where I kind of realized that I, I don't know how I got into the moment as you guys have listened to so much of the show, kind of my background, professional entrepreneurial experience. I've been five years ago, I basically came in and pivoted my business and started this whole kind of other side, you know, sales and whatnot. And so much of my sales career has been around also building teams. And I had this moment one day where I kind of realized that somehow by the stars, I ended up virtually doing what you did for so long, which is just crazy. And, um, and I thought about how, you know, there's just been so much overlap in what I've done and what you've done. And I was telling him about it, you know, and how he's done sales, he's done, you know, coaching and how these things are so intertwined and overlapped. And I was like, man, I've just got to bring some of the conversations that we had in our car talking about some of this stuff um, and to this place that you guys could hear from someone who has, you know, no offense, but just, you know, just for out of respect, just been around the block a minute. You've seen some things, could impart some wisdom on people that are right now in the entrepreneurial space and trying to figure out, you know, selling in, in how to sell well, the stresses of that, you know, I, and uh, how to coach and how to mentor and bring other people, especially through challenging seasons. My dad would always say this thing that I would hear him saying all the time, like growing up, he would always be like, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure, like it's going to kill me. Like you would, well, he would like walk around our house and he'd be like, the pressure is going to kill me. And I would love if you could like share a little bit about like your experience with that, what that pressure was and how you kind of work to overcome it. Yeah. The pressure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's an evolution of growth and, and, um, comparison against your peers and, 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 and then what, um, field of study or work it's that you are trying to perform well in. And I think the pressure comes with what we just talked about in that there are end goals. And so on a daily basis, you might not reach that end goal. And in fact, if your end goal is something very important at the top, it's going to take a while. It's going to take some drop offs and, and gains and, and all. And so what ends up happening is because you're always trying to get to that goal, there's, there's so much pressure to get there when you're in sales because some of it's out of your control. I mean, like, Lindsay said I was the one in his coat somewhere. I, I never kicked the ball in those games. I never made a save. I didn't do I just put that team on the field. They they won the games or lost. So I just was there. And in sales, it's different because if you're a commission or you have to reach quotas or you want this goal of another house or a boat or wherever you're chasing, um, that's pressure. That's pressure to perform. But it's the way you handle the pressure is is how you, you do it. And when you're young, there's a tendency when you, f you first start getting this pressure to give up or quit or yeah. make excuses like I can't do it or this, this isn't for me. But yeah, it is for you if you just look around because other people are doing it like yourself and are highly successful. So you, you, you have to get through that pressure and how do you get through that pressure? Well, um, a lot of it is just asking for help or doing what other people do. Like my son wanted to be a musician. I, I took him to see all the big acts. I wanted him to see the top level. I didn't want to take him to a high school game and see that that was where he could end up. I took him to see ACDC and told him that's where he could end up. Yeah. So that's, it's all with the goals and the pressure. And the pressure of getting there is intense when your butt's on the line. 
And you need the help of, of organization, of discipline, and motivation to overcome pressure. And when you're young, that's when you just got to go after it. You just got to get up every day and go after it. Trust me, at my age, if I had to start something over anew to pay my bills or to get some goals I wanted, I don't know if I could do it again. It's, it's, it takes a lot of energy and, and a lot of uh, stick to it in this. I use that word, but if you don't, you're, you're going to lose and you're going to let the pressure get to you and succumb to it, and then you give up. So I think you hit on it. Pressure is is probably the most negative thing when you got your business and you've got to perform and it's just you hanging out there. What's one thing that you wish you would have done back then to help you alleviate some pressure when you were feeling like, oh my God, like when work just felt like it was all consuming? Like what's something that like looking back that you wish you would have done more for yourself? in order to like give yourself like time to rec- recover or breathe or just, you know, not have it all be so all consuming. Cause I remember, I, I remember I lived it. I lived it. I lived the morning till night, the sweat over the the day to day. I saw it all over your face. It, you were consumed. And so what I, I also was consumed. I, I have been consumed. What would you say like to, you know, in hindsight, looking back while you're in the process of like going after what you're trying to build or create, what's like, What's like one thing you wish you would have done more for yourself? Well, at Paramount, um, looking back on it, and yeah, there was a lot of pressure because, you know, you're coaching this top team, soccer team, and you're in full-time sales. And you were at the mercy of those people at the other end. You made the sale, but now they got to deliver the goods. And now all of a sudden they tell you their truck's broken down and it's three o'clock in the morning and you're worried about what's going to happen this day. You were doing sales before the internet. So, you know, you were really out there. You were really building something, you know, when it was, when it really was like on your back. Like now we have like, you know, the internet, social, there's so many things to support businesses now, you know? So what's one thing that you wish you would have done? Well, I, I would have taken some personal time for myself and, and I know it sounds corny and cliche for this day, but I would have gotten into yoga. Oh, interesting. And I would have gotten into mental yoga in a course I used, I taught school for a little bit. And I taught psychology and I taught a mini course on transcendental meditation. And the gist of that is like very basically is that you take yourself out of a pressurized situation mentally and move it or spiritually or both and move it to an area that brings you peace and calm. So in other words, I, I still have fear of the dentist. I can't, I'm sorry. I, I lose eight pounds in that chair when they're cleaning <laughs> my teeth. But so when I'm in that chair, I am not in that chair. Yeah. I am in the Caribbean <laughs> at Trunk Bay in St. John's, one of the most beautiful places on this earth. And that's how I handled the dentist. Yeah. So I didn't do that when I was needed it the most. So I, I, no matter what, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. And if you can't get up in the morning because you're mentally or physically unable to, you're done. So the physical part, if you got youth, yeah, get to the gym, work out, stay strong, intercore, eat well, um, and and keep running. Just keep hitting the street every day, running. But you also have to take care of the mental side. And the mental side has to be reading, whatever turns you on, videos or whatever. But I think looking back, if I had to do it all over again, I would have taken that time for physical yoga to release stress and mental yoga. 
Well, you know, there's a, you know, we can hit that hot yoga class that I go to all the time. We can hit it today. Maybe it'll help clear your sinuses. I said when I was your age. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I don't bend like I used to. You know, I think a lot of people that listen to the show are very committed to like doing the hard work. I think they're committed to that hard work. But I think what trips a lot of people up is probably just honestly like a lack of understanding and how markets work with set with like sales and the highs and low seasons. And I remember when we were talking about like how you worked through low seasons, some things that you did to really help yourself navigate, you know, how to counter counter that because it always kind of comes up. And, and when you're in the lower times, which I would say, genuinely, we, we probably are right now, you know, what did you do to kind of work yourself into like the, the, while it was working on getting its back, the market was really growing back up. Like, what were you doing? Well, um, I, I would think that if you approach sales um, as a bell curve, that there is going to be highs and lows. Um, for instance, when I, I was involved with selling brick and we were doing like the stadiums in Baltimore was on fire, you couldn't sell brick fast enough. I mean, all you all you worried about was getting it the, to the building <laughs> Cause there was a shortage of it. And I see Nashville with all the cranes and everything. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself and all these brick houses, the brick salesman here, I mean, he can't be making money fast enough. He just hopes they can make the brick fast enough, but you take Baltimore now, all that building has stopped. So if anybody's a brick salesman there, they're scraping, they're, they're, they're chasing every single job, just hoping that they can hang on during this um, economic slump. So I, I see it no different in any other type of sales. I just, that's what I was used to. So I, I, I would say that what, what you need to do is on that bell curve, as you're rising, like a couple of years ago, when people had a little excess money and the economy was good, and then um, unfortunately COVID hit, but businesses like yours, it really helped because people couldn't go to the hair stores or the even sometimes they didn't want to go to the right aid or something by the inferior. It either like really helped people or it really hurt people. Yeah, like, and like now it's like all balancing. Exactly. So, so, so if you were doing that, like if you were a florist and people couldn't go to the hospital or to graduations on scent flowers or like they wouldn't let you inside of COVID. So I worked at a golf course and it couldn't have been any busier because they let you outside. So those businesses were thriving while other ones were hanging on. Um, and, and so it's if you just came into your business at the beginning of COVID and you didn't have the competition of um, yeah. people don't have as much uh, money to spend. Um, the uh, hairstylist uh, places that sell high end products like yours, they weren't open. So you, you should have been making some money and, it's, yeah. and it shouldn't have been that hard. But yeah. na- now the, now the ball field is even. Yeah. And, and now, now it's hard. And now there's, you got to chase everyone and, and you got to go scrape. But, but the lesson in that is that it is a journey. And along the journey, it's never going to be level. I mean, I think the only sales that have stayed constant um, over time are coffins. People that sell coffins, man, they, they, they don't have to worry about ups and downs. People, people die every day. So if you're in sales and it has an item that people uh, want or you want to sell them and, and you have competition, for that dollar and that item, then that comes with the plan and the plan has to include the good times and the bad times. And in the good times, you just chase it all. You just try to write as much as you can. You just just go after it and just don't hesitate because you know there's going to be a slowdown. So make that, what's that old saying? Uh, make hay when the sun shines or whatever. Yeah, that's what Paul Jr. said the other day. He yeah. was like, you know, Linz, he was like, my dad said, make the hay when the yeah. sun shines. 
And there's nothing, there's, you're not going to get days back. So it's in your youth, like in your energy level. I mean, let's face it, you couldn't do what you're doing at 12, but you you probably don't want to do it when you're 62. So this is it. This is the time that you go after it. So let's take the, the easy parts when it's good. Let's take now that it's a little bit tougher. Um, well, what do you do now? Do you give up and just say, well, um, you know, that's what well, that sucked because yeah. I'm not making the money I used to. Well, what's your effort? And actually you got to double your effort or triple your effort. You got to be creative. You got to think outside the box. You got to try to find new customer bases. You got to network the people that are happy. You got to stay in contact with them and you got to keep on asking them to help you um, network you and get you included. And, and you just leave no stone unturned. You, you actually got to work two, three, four times harder in these periods to make less money. But it keeps you alive and keeps your business alive until the next good period. Yeah. Because it is a bell curve and it will come back. Yeah, that's invaluable. I think a lot of people don't really know that. And so I think that's really important that they that they can hear that from your perspective with seeing so many seasons of that. See, and I think that I think like a good soccer player or a good coach or a good anything, Brick Mason, teacher. I think a lot of it's innate in the real great ones. It, it somehow comes easy to them, like Michael Jordan or LeBron versus somebody that only played in high school. There's, there's, there's a special innate talent for those people, and there's no different in sales or business. Some people do have it, and, do, and, do, and some don't. But that doesn't mean you can't learn it. And how you learn it is by watching those who have done it, and you ask questions, and you do what yeah. they do. No one should be reinventing the wheel. You should just look at who's successful and do what they do and follow their advice. And, and don't be afraid to ask for it. And like, hey, what do I do here? Um, because they're doing it in the tough times and you need to do it and not give up. It's easy to give up. But what's your long term goal? And if it's to continue out to that retirement early or to a second house at the beach or whatever you're shooting for your kids, college education, it, 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 that's those are years in the making. So you can't just have two good years and then have a bad year and say, well, that's it. I'm done. This, this isn't for me. Um, so yes, sometimes it's easier for people because it's innate in sales and up. sometimes it's tougher for people because they can't take rejection if they lose a sale or, you know, they have a little baby and sick and they can't get up and motivate themselves for three days in a row. And then that week their sales are down. Now there's pressure to get the next week up and, you know, and so they've lost sight of that organizational plan that you have to start with every day. It's good. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. But you coach guys for many years, my whole life, all these soccer games and just endless, endless years of, of watching men's collegiate soccer, which is why I have such a deep love for it. Right now, a lot of the biggest component, I believe, is, you know, for some business, for any business owner that's trying to grow to scale or go to the next level or trying to really step from any type of entrepreneur, any entrepreneur that is trying to scale themselves. And I think this is the year of scaling and diversifying that you have to build a team. I don't care if you have like a personal team where you've got, you know, assistant, you've got a couple people over here, you're, you're kind, you have to build a team. That's truly anyone. I love Ed Milet. He's one of the, yeah, he's like one of the goats. He'll literally be like, uh, he said before, there's no millionaires that have, are ever self-made. And I heard that and I loved that because I don't know, sometimes I think that there's some disillusionment to that. No millionaires ever self-made. They always built teams and, and not just teams, but great teams. And you coached a lot of people. What do you feel like 
you know, for anyone now who's trying to coach or mentor and maybe they're struggling with that or they want to know how to like develop people better or how to reach people better or how to help them catch bigger vision. You know, what are some things that you would offer that you saw in your experience of helping create unity and get people to move towards a common goal together? Like what are some key elements of that? Yeah, I I think, I think it's more of an organizational thing. And if you're going to try to build a team, you start by picking key players in in the positions you need them in. Now in in sports, it'll be a little different than an organization to some degree, but you have to identify some leaders, your core group, people that are going to be there for you. How do you identify a leader? Um, well, it's a little different in sales today because a leader would be somebody that puts their hand out, shakes their hand, knocks on doors, very personable, takes guys out to the ball game uh, as a guest or out to golf. And, you know, sales used to be like that. And now, now it's a little bit different, but leadership shows itself in results and in feedback. Um, you text somebody and they don't get back to you for two days and that's a pattern. Well, I don't know if I take them as a leader. They seem to be a little indifferent or, um, or they're a little distracted. And, and I don't need somebody to be like at my beck and call or at, you know, 24-7. I just need when it's time to work, it's time to go to work. And it's time to uh, make that work profitable and make yourself profitable. And so, therefore, you, 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 you know those people because you can look at their results. And then you meet them at conventions or whatever. And you see they've got grit. They've, <laughs> yeah. they've got it. And so you identify with them. You're comfortable with them. Um, and, and you want them on your leadership team. And you also have to look at them as the potential and their personalities and their um, going after it and their motivation. You have to look at, you know, how much will they bring in like other people? Because those people are very important to help you build your team and attract them, attract more people to your organization. So you identify those people, first of all, as they're successful. They want to be successful. They want to be on the team. They want to be a team leader. They, yeah. they, they're not going to shirk that responsibility. And they're going to help build that. And then the team, when you look at the entire team, you don't need 24 superstars. I mean, it would be great if you would. But it's not going to happen. So there's going to be a team made of high earners, middle earners, lower earners. But that everybody on that team is important in the end results. So you, I think you'd have to have the leaders that you're asking to help you when they're identifying people that they can bring into your program or to your business, that there's some criteria that those people have to meet. And if somebody says, well, two years from now, I'm going to be making a million dollars. I'm going to have three boats. You're going to go, no, you're not. Uh, you know, I'm glad you're excited about it, but no, you're not. But so you got to deal with that. But if you have somebody that says, you know, I want to be just like you. I just want to do what you're doing. I want to make that kind of money. And how do I do it? Well, there's somebody that wants to be a leader. Somebody wants to be on your team. But if you go all the way down to the lowest earner in your team, okay, maybe that person just needs a little supplemental income. Maybe she's happy with 10000 extra dollars and that's all the time she can give you. Well, you know, you give, you give people like that, 10000 adds up. You get 10 of those people, it's $100,000 in sales. So you got to look out for everybody's build a team and, and you got to motivate them in different ways after you identify them. And um, if you pick the right leaders, you'll know it. And then they'll feed off of that because they want to be part of your business. And then the organization just becomes bigger and more successful. Do you give advice on where you're not like 
you're coaching a team, but it's like people are on the down and out. They're they're feeling kind of like uh, like a defeat, sense of defeat. It's not going the way they want it to go. How did you turn the energy around? I think people don't understand how much energy creates their results in both sales, in life, in anything. Their 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 energy, their mindset really can make or break anything. So when you had a team of people that would be kind of like having a hard moment or like, oh, they couldn't, how did you get them to like catch the vision other than being like, catch the vision? (laughs) I tell them that uh, they better run 10 more sprints or get off the field. (laughs) You can't do that in your business. But but it goes back to, again, um, even though you don't sell anymore by putting your hand out there and shaking the customer's hand and greeting them and, and getting them, relationships with them on a social level, personal and social level. Um, I, I do think that there are still some really key elements to an individual's personality and their desire to be liked and to be part of the team. So like I had an assistant coach that called the kids on the team by their last name and, and it made me crazy. It, I, I thought there's no respect there. Th- don't call that, that kid by his last name. He had, call him by his first name. And show him some respect. He might might only play two minutes a game, but he's just as important as the other guys. Um, so don't do that. And that person that got called by the last name or, you know, what kind of made to feel like he wasn't part of the team and picking up some sides or using them for drills. You know, it, it those people understand that and feel it and they they're hurt by it. And they don't get as motivated as if you pick them up and make them the captain for the day and let him pick the squad, you know, and then he feels a little bit of self-importance. So I think that the personal touch is still so important Yeah, because people, even if they're looking at their screen or they're texting you or they're at the computer or they're zooming you and stuff, people still want to be liked. People still want to feel like they're part of something. Yeah. So I think when you hit those people that are low and negative and it's, those are those are the ones that are going to probably stay near the end. It, it's it's going to be hard to turn them into one of your top sellers, um, be, unless they see the light, so to speak. But you don't give up on them because you never know, and they can, like I just told you, they can add to your final business and be successful. So, in a person like that, I think communication is number one, and not texters, you know, a, a call or a personal lunch or you know, a coffee, and just ask like, Hey, what is it that is bothering you? Or what is it that you don't seem to do, can do? And, and you listen and you listen to what they're saying. And then you try to help them by helping them with a plan. Okay. So she knows that there's some kind of empathy towards her and that she's not just a number at the yeah. end of the month. I think that's super important these days to motivate people that are having a hard time now that the times are harder. Yeah. I really want you to just like try to talk about like how you, got your guys to buy into a greater vision of what they could do as a collective group? Well, you had to give them a sense of, of pride in what they were doing and you have to set goals for them to achieve. And because individuals and teams are more motivated, if you got the right people to, to overcome like, okay, what's your goal this year? Uh, I'd like to play in 24 games. <laughs> 
Okay. Versus yeah. what's your goal this year? We're going to win the national championship coach. Yeah. Okay. And that, and there's, there's this two different people on your team. So outside the circle are all the distractions, all the negativity, all the economy is bad, all this stuff. Okay. And so you have to stay together in that and fight off those that outside circle and, and continue to stay together and to co- continue to motivate each other and pick it, pick each other up. So I had captains that I just didn't have one. I had four. And each one was from a different year, senior, freshman, sophomore. And they interacted and they had meetings. And everybody was always like the senior would. If I walked in the cafeteria and the seniors were sitting together and there was a sole freshman on the team by himself eating lunch, I'd lose it on him. Like we're a team. You get him over here and he has lunch with you. You know, you're not going to do this little quick thing. So you're a team and you travel as a team and you handle it as a team. You pull your weight and do what you say you're going to do. And then she does that. And then he does that. And she does that. Then all of a sudden you're all pulling in the same direction and you can weather storms and and you can have good times and make a lot of money and you can weather the storm and still stay alive and vibrant in the, in the slower times. Good stuff. So I heard that we're going to talk, we're going to go to top golf. You know, I think, I think we, we got a date with top golf here really soon, you guys. So before we go, any last thoughts that you would want to offer to anybody who feels like they are in the middle of a process right now that feels like, man, I'm just getting my ass handed to me or this has been really tough or the season has just kind of worn me out, but I, I've got hope. What would you want to tell them? Well, first I want to tell everybody out there that I got smoked in clue last night <laughs> by Lindsay and David. And in fact, one, one was three, three rolls of the dice and David guessed it. So it was nauseating. Yeah. It's um, I was set up. So, so to, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. So today, revenge, you know, you got to stay competitive. And even at my age, I'm going to kick both your butts in top golf. So uh, I can't wait. It's a beautiful day here. We're going to have fun. But getting back to that, I, I think that if I had to give the, the one, one piece of advice to leave with um, as you're out there hacking it and trying and dealing with all the other pressures in your life, um, I would say that they communication driven and in, 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 in contact more so than you do when it's busy. Cause when it's busy, you just go run and get the sales. But when it's like this and you have a little more downtime, you got to pick each other up. You got to stay as a team. And if you're on that end where you're thinking of giving up and you're thinking like, you know, I'm not cut out for it. Well, maybe you are, but my guess is that you just need that plan and you just need to go talk to people and ask them how they did it and ask them for advice and continue to do that. I mean, outside the circle, sure, you can do your yogas and you can read your books and you can be motivated in different ways, of course. But if you want to be successful in your business, look at the people who have already done it and are continuing to do it. Pick their brain, okay? And if you're at the top and you need people below you to pick it up and help you, all right? Don't just look at their numbers. Talk to them. Get to know them. Help them and bring them up. And and if it just keeps happening and you got what you need, and then the good times come back and you're all set up and some of the competition's falling by the wayside, some of the people that didn't do the team building when they needed it the most lose people, but you'll be primed, ready to go again. And uh, and it will come back. It always comes back or else we're we're doomed. (laughs) 
So anyway, that would be my message. Don't ever give up. You know that Jimmy Valvano, the coach that died of cancer, just don't ever give up. Never. You have bad days. You can give up, you know, I mean, take days off, of course, but don't give up. Yeah. Love you, JP. I've had fun. You know I love you, girl. So proud of you. What you're doing. Everything you put your mind to, you go after. And because your name's on it and you want to be successful and uh, you have a plan and uh, you're doing it. And I think, you know, I was trying to be like a little humble, but I think for people out there and I was in this business or doing a business similar to what Lindsay does, I just do what she does. I wouldn't reinvent the wheel. I'll just do exactly what Lindsay's doing um, as far as sales go and, um, and stay after it. Thanks for showing me how. Ah, I love you, girl. Love you. Woo! All right. Oh, Flavyax, out. Peace. (laughs) 